Welcome back, everybody, to KickServeRadio.com, Tennis on Air with Andy Zoden, joined by an old buddy of mine, Henry Craig from Southern California, who played collegiately at Denver University, gave it a go on the Pro Tour for a while, made it into the 500 and change range. And Henry, it was one of those deals where you had a great college career here at DU, gave it a go on the tour, and had some pretty good success, some ups, some downs, Overall, how would you rate that experience of having played a few years of pro tennis? Well, first of all, thanks a lot, Andy. Uh, always great to be back on the show. And uh, yeah, overall, it was a really good, uh, really good experience. Um, going from junior tennis to college tennis and then to pro tennis it was a, a fun transition to try to figure out all the levels. Obviously, it got a lot harder as I went on, and eventually, kind of tapped out there at the, like you said, the 500 mark. But very tough as it got near the end. But overall. I wouldn't trade it for anything. When you were out there, Henry, and you're trying to work on your game, and you're working, with, you've had you know great coaches, Justin Montgomery, and you you played for good college coaches, Danny Westerman, Ricardo Rubio. So you've had the benefit of some pretty good instruction. But when you're looking at guys that are out on the tour that kind of are where you would like to have gotten, who are some of the guys that you were looking at to try to maybe model your game after and saying, gosh, if I could just maybe do a little bit more of what this guy's doing. I think I could really jump into a, into a money-making range. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's a little bit less far out. Like, I, I wouldn't necessarily look at someone, you know, that's really highly ranked and then maybe try to model my game because I, I haven't played against them or know exactly what they do. But I think on a more uh, recent basis is if I play somebody and I lose to them, and they did something that I liked or they did something that, you know, that hurt me a lot, I would try to maybe incorporate that in my game. So it was kind of a week-to-week kind of learning process. Every loss I took, try to take something from every guy and learn from there. Henry, when I first saw you play, it was 2011. It was Kalamazoo. You were still in the 16 and unders. And what I noticed about most of the players in that day and age, and I'm not sure it's changed drastically since, Jack Sock was sort of the big dog at the zoo that year, was it was big serve, big forehand. Pretty much everybody had both, and that was kind of the 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 positive and the negative of American tennis at the time. When you were out on the tour, did you start to see where having a little bit more of a well-rounded game was going to be necessary to really break in? Absolutely. I think the game has actually changed a little bit. Uh seemed like, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, it was all uh, big serve, big forehand for the most part, especially in American tennis. And now you see these guys coming up that kind of have everything. You know, they have just as good of backhands as forehands. You know, it's Taylor Fritz or Tiafo and guys like that that are, I mean, they're roping backhands. So, yeah, definitely an all-around game is, is what the uh, the tour is seeing right now. So you're saying just as big off both wings. What about the all-court game with respect to the adjustments that, let's say, Federer had to make um, in trying to do a little bit better in that matchup with Nadal, which was to get to the net? I mean, is that something that that you guys were finding that you had to do a little bit more of? And as a result, did playing a little bit of doubles sometimes come into the equation to help with that? Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh Coming to the net was, especially at the end of my career, helped me a lot to uh, to get some more wins and get deep in futures. I think overall, uh, I think people could still come in to the net a lot more than they do because, you know, still relying off big serve, big forehand, big backhand, kind of that game style that maybe you could still see a little bit more improved. I mean, Federer does it better than anybody and gets in a lot. I was really trying to get in a lot with actually serving and volleying 
a decent amount, although I'm not a super tall guy, but it actually works out really well because no one really expects it. Yeah, and it's probably not something that you do a predominant amount of the time, but if you use it with the element of surprise, I would see it being pretty effective. Henry, one of the things that you and I have, have talked about uh, over the years is the philosophy of college tennis as a gateway to pro tennis. And what you told me, if, if memory serves, is that for you it was a necessary maturation process that coming to college was going to help you grow physically, emotionally, mentally, but that there are some guys that, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of ready to go at 18, 19. So really it, it depends on the person as to whether or not you would recommend that they, that they play college tennis as, as a means to getting to the pros. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it was, it was a, a necessary step to even attempt to go pro. I, I wasn't mature enough or strong enough just wasn't ready to go out there and face all the, the challenges of the tour but for some guys that are already winning going deep into challengers at age 17 18 uh, I know a few of those guys that I trained with for the last few years that are from California and those guys should definitely try to go pro right away because they're ready you know they're already winning at that level I wasn't I wasn't close to that and I think college was a really good stepping stone to, to try to make it on the tour and you mentioned Taylor Fritz, uh, obviously kind of uh, in the same neck of the woods. Do you think that, that was a big advantage for you, being a SoCal kid, that your perspective was pretty realistic? You really knew exactly what you were getting yourself into. And, you know, Southern California, Florida, Texas to a certain degree, those were really, you know, the hotbeds of where the great American players are, are going to be found, and it, it, it allows you to, for lack of a better description, just kind of keep it real in terms of where you stand in the pecking order? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You, I mean, we're playing against all the all the best guys in the juniors growing up, and it's it, it puts it in, into perspective. And there's always uh, better players out there across the world, but I think that definitely helped knowing where I was, knowing was I ready to go pro, was I not, made the decision to go to college and, and kind of just base my game from there. So Henry, ironically enough, you you learned what you needed to learn in college about what you took out onto the pro tour. Now it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you've learned on the pro tour a lot of what you need to know in sort of going into adult life and the business world and you're you're an engaged guy, you'll be a married guy before we know it and how much did the experience of traveling the world and playing professional tennis help you to become, you know, sort of ready for all that? Yeah, well, the the experience was priceless. I mean, it it really teaches you to be extremely independent. You got to be really good with money cuz the money goes real quick out there traveling so much. You just learn how to be very self-sustained. You learn how to deal with a lot of moving parts. You learn how to plan because in the middle of a tournament, now you got a tournament the next week and the following week and the following week, you got to plan all that stuff. Sometimes during the tournament, I remember I'd come off the court, uh, you know, win or lose a match. And I'm like, oh, well, I got, I got to go here. I got to book this flight. I got to book this hotel. And it's just so many things you got to deal with all at the same time, which is definitely going to help me um, into the next stage of my life. When you're sitting out on the out on the porch, as they say, Henry, and, and you got your kid, and he's a little tennis player, and he's going, Dad, what was the best thing that happened to you out on the pro tour? What was your best win? What was your best moment? What's that going to sound like? My best moment? Um, I don't know. I mean, there was, there was a lot of them out there that, 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 that rival each other. Um, maybe my first, my first uh, pro futures title with my doubles partner, Julian Bradley. That was my first title, so I thought that was a pretty 
big moment. And then I, I went on to take two more titles after that and several finals. So I think that was a big stepping stone, at least in my doubles career. So that was uh, definitely a big one. I'm trying to think on the single side there. Um, well, maybe I can jar your memory. It sounds to me, and I can't remember who told me this, but somebody told me. I, I wish I could think of it. Gosh, Henry Craig, like, he won the last tournament that he played in, got a nice paycheck, and then and then hung it up. Is that is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, actually, I, yeah, I think I would say that that was one of my best memories for sure because that was the biggest tournament I've ever won. It was a $50,000 tournament. Uh, beat a lot of good guys in there and played really well, and that was – that was, uh, you know, only a few months ago. And the day that I won that tournament, I held the trophy up and I, I made a post and then saying I was retiring. So I won, went out on a on a high, you know. So that was definitely a very a very fun memory for me. So you, Pete Sampras, John Elway, Peyton Manning. Okay, you're in good company. <laughs> That's uh, those those are guys that retired after a huge win. Now let me ask you this, Henry. If you're not an engaged guy who's moving on to that part of his life, are you still playing tennis coming off of winning a 50? Do you make the same decision? Do you retire after winning a 50 if you're just a footloose, fancy-free single guy? Or is it the fact that you've you've got some obligations, you've, you've, you've now got a, a fiancé who's a pretty serious businesswoman in her own right, Jessica, and now you've got to kind of settle into, into a little bit less of a hotel-to-hotel kind of life? I mean, if, if, if that's not the case, do you keep going with the tennis for a while? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, I think, uh, regardless of that circumstance, I think I would still have have hung it up because I think it was just the right time for me. Um, but that other stuff does play it's some some part um, for sure because you know I got a lot of other other priorities on the table and I'm ready to move on, ready to go into that, like you said, the married life and get a job. And but I think either way, I was kind of mentally a little gassed out from being gone three out of four weeks of every month. My guest today on kickserveradio.com, my good buddy Henry Craig, who played at Denver University. And before we talk about your your budding music career, Henry, <laughs> which I want to get to, you know some of your boys are going to be listening to this, uh, Alex Gasson and, and, and Yannick James and maybe Alex Clinkenbeard, and some of your former teammates are going to see. We're going to post this on Facebook. What do you want to say about kind of your memories of, of having those guys as teammates at DU? Oh, it was such a such a great experience. Um, just kind of day in, day in, day out, hanging out with those guys, and you have memories that you can never uh, never repeat. And and to my doubles partner Alex Gasson, I mean, that was just an, an unforgettable doubles career we had, and and he knows that as well. So that was a, a definitely a huge part part of my tennis career. Do you feel like with what you helped start, because you really did, I mean, you, when, when you came in and, of course, Danny Westerman recruited you and then Ricardo Rubio took over from there, do you think that with what you and, and Alex and the rest of that group kind of started, that, that DU now is in a good direction, that, that they're going to continue to be uh, a nice competitive, you know, obviously to say that they're going to compete for NCAA championships might be a stretch, but they're, they're going to be a little bit of a force to be reckoned with, and no matter who that team plays, that other team better pack their lunch and be ready for the Pioneers. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Even in the team before, team a couple of years before us that had Anae Bonin and Jens Forkefeld, and like you mentioned, Alex Klinkenbeard, they I think they were the first the first ones to kind of start that good streak at DU and then leading in with me and Alex Gaston, David Fox and Diogo Roca and and all those guys and uh, yeah, we definitely set set a a bar at, at some point up there and but it it all kind of depends on the 
the recruiting process. Uh, in terms of DU's name being heard, I think we definitely definitely got the name out there, and people know know who DU is for sure. You know, and b- before that, you know, I'm not sure, but uh, if they did, but we definitely got the name out there. But you know, as you every four years or every year, actually, you know, people graduate, so it's sometimes hard to find the right guys. But I know uh, I know Ricardo and and Drew will will find the guys. Yeah, it's hard for me to imagine that a kid like Jesse Ruderhook, who I've known since he was eight, nine years old, is now, you know, a big six five monster college graduate out of school, working full time. Yannick James, all these guys that you played with, all these guys that are even behind you are out of school now. So uh, time is definitely flying. But Henry, you're now into something brand new, which is really cool, which is which is a music career. And talk about the evolution of that and who you're working with. I know it's a tennis buddy of yours. Uh, so, so tell us, and then we're going to, we're going to give, uh, we're going to give our listeners a little listen as to what you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just kind of in the last, last few months of my tennis career, started m- making some music with my friend, David Doring, who also played, uh, at a D1 university LMU. And, and we just kind of shared the same passion for, for good sounding music and good electronic beats and stuff that just kind of makes you happy. And we, uh, we started making what, what we both liked and shared that common perspective on and you know we've been making music for about a year now and and we just released our our new song and yeah doing well there so the name of the band is daig d-a-i-g which is obviously a combination of your two names david doring and henry craig so yeah. uh I, even i was able to figure that out <laughs> yeah. and the That's tune right. that and the the, the tune we we're, we're gonna hear uh at the end of the segment is called you'll see and what are your plans? What do you guys want to try to do with this? I mean, the music industry is something I know absolutely nothing about, you know, so you keep going from one industry where you got to work hard and, and get an occasional lucky break to be able to break into another one um, that, you know, maybe even be more competitive to try to break into, which is which is music. Yeah, yeah, I think the music industry is uh, even tougher than the tennis industry because <laughs> in tennis, you work hard, work hard, you keep getting better, and then at some point you're going to start winning in music. It just depends on if people like your song and you got to keep making music. And then hopefully somebody, you know, someone big likes your song and promotes it. So it's kind of a little bit more of a, a toss of the coin in the music industry, but you know, we're not taking it too seriously right now. We're just having fun with it and, and releasing songs and we're trying to promote a little bit and hopefully it gets out there and, if it if it does, great. And if it doesn't, you know, we had fun making it and we enjoyed the process. Well, we I think you and I can both agree that by having your song played on KickServeRadio.com, you're definitely working your way in at, at below an entry level. I mean, you're definitely working from the bottom up here, Henry. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you <laughs> your, your song is going to be the first one that I've ever even tried to promote, but we're going to get it out there and hopefully some folks will listen to it and give us some nice... Uh, some nice feedback on it, but one thing I have to tell you before we go to your uh, before we go to your tune here is I have committed you to practicing with Coco Vandaway. So I just I did talk to Craig Carden and he said, "Will uh, Will Henry come up to Rancho Mirage and hit with Coco?" And I said, "Yeah, I'll get him to do that." So sorry if that uh, if that puts you out a little bit. Uh, no, that's that's all good. That's good with me. All right, when we go up there for Indian Wells. Very good. I don't know when, but he's going to be getting in touch with you. So be looking for that phone call. In the meantime, tell your family hello. Always great to catch up with you. Congratulations on a stellar junior career, on what you did here for us in Denver by playing at Denver University and and how much enjoyment we had watching you play college tennis. And a nice run on the tour, man. Good job. I'm really proud of you, Henry, and uh, wishing you the best of luck with this music career. 
Thanks a lot, Andy. Always a pleasure. You're about to hear from Dag, which is David Doring and Henry Craig's band. You'll see. Hope you enjoy it. AZ out for kickserveradio.com. Guys. 